0: Greetings, friends, and welcome to Trajectory Podcast. I'm glad to be back with you guys today, uh, where we'll be talking about trying things for God. But first is our moment of positivity. Today I was thinking about how cool God's system is. We live in a society that tends to cheer for underdogs, We want the smaller man to win, the girl with braces to get the guy, the Jamaican bobsled team to come in first. At the same time, we're usually obsessed with the idea of making ourselves the kinds of people others don't want to win. I mean, who doesn't want to be Tom Brady, right? So we cheer for losers, but we don't want to be losers. This actually fits into our faith. Jesus' most famous sermon starts off with, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Basically, God favors, and yes, I said favors, people who don't think that they are the stuff. Another passage says that God chooses the little things to make nothing out of big things. God likes things that are weak to show His power. This makes you and I perfect for God's kingdom because we are all small and needy without God. After people get saved, though, their old demons can catch up with them. They can think that now that they are God's person, they should become dominators and kings and better-than-other-people people. God hates that. This week, hold on to the roots of your faith. You're not all that. God is the only celebrity in Christendom. Everyone else is an unworthy servant. Keep your eyes on the king and learn to serve others. That's our moment of positivity. Okay, before we get started, I want to just thank you for sticking with me as we went through the Parables of Jesus series. Uh, I'm now done with that series. If you haven't listened to those and uh, you're just joining us, I'd encourage you to scroll down a little and give them a listen. Next week, we'll start our series on James. I love James. He's super practical about faith, and I think we can pull some really awesome stuff out of there. In the meantime, I thought I'd spend today talking about one of my favorite subjects, which is trying things for God. So this is sort of an interlude between series, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Several thousand years ago, there were these two guys One of them was named Jonathan, and the other is referred to as Jonathan's armor-bearer. The two were hiding out part of an Israelite army that was very afraid of the Philistine army. After finishing all the smoked oysters and Ritz crackers, Jonathan had an idea. He looks at his armor-bearer and says, Let's head over to the Philistine outpost and fight those guys. And the armor-bearer says, Okay, I'm with you. Let's do it. (laughs) So they come up with a plan to go over to the Philistines, show themselves to them. And if the Philistines say, come up and fight, they would know that God had given them the victory and they'd scramble up the hill and fight them. Uh, So they did this and the Philistines did call them up. And this is what the scripture records as happening. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, uh, verses 12 through 15. The garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we'll show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet, and his armor-bearer after him. And they, the Philistines, fell before Jonathan, and his armor-bearer killed them after him. And that first strike, which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made, killed about twenty men within, as it were, half a furrow's length in an acre of land. And there was a panic in the camp, in the field, and among all the people." The garrison and even the raiders trembled. The quaked, and it became a very great panic. So basically Jonathan comes up with the worst strategy ever and is like, hey, God will help us, I hope. And God does help them. And the result is absolute victory accompanied by some pretty miraculous stuff like an earthquake, right? Uh, and, and Jonathan and his armor bearer kick butt. It's awesome. So that's our introduction. And I'll follow that up with a few questions. How big is your God? How rich is your God? How victorious is your God? And how dominant is your King? We live in a spiritual culture where we try very little for God. And the only thing I can think of that makes sense for being the reason for that is that we either don't think that our God is big or we think that He is big but doesn't want to help us. Both these ideas are absolutely wrong. Check out Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through 31 with me. It says, "'Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary.'" His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Not only is God the hugest being and the most powerful one, He is also ours at our rescue and help for each and every need, especially the ones that arise while we are serving Him recklessly. Like Jonathan. Peter acted like God was big when he jumped out of the boat and walked on the water with Jesus. David acted like God was big when he fought Goliath. Gideon acted like his God was big when he fought a huge army with just a couple hundred guys. You see? As you guys get busy doing school this semester and working your jobs, I think it would be cool if you spent some time thinking about a crazy thing you could try for God. I talked to a businessman and I asked him, Listen, if I had endless resources and offered to back your business endeavors, how likely would you be to try risky business moves that have potential for a high reward? He said, well, very likely. If I could try something like that and didn't have to put up my own money, I'd do that in an instant. (laughs) Friends, you and I are living on borrowed time. And the Bible says that God has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. It's time to chase down your giants. It's time to embark on a risky business endeavor. All right, let's, let's make this practical. If you lived like God was big and wanted to help you, what would your next steps be? I personally would start an inner city ministry for kids from broken homes. I would also kick my cell phone addiction and learn to not be afraid in social situations where I don't know people. So there's the huge crazy thing, like start a ministry? That's nuts. There's also the practical thing. If God is big, He can help me put down my phone. And then there's the relatable thing. I don't like social functions where I'm the stranger. But if God is big and He's mine, what do I have to be afraid of? Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What are you afraid of today? When's the last time you tried something for God? Take a second just now and ask God what He wants you to try. And then try it. (laughs) I bet you'll be amazed by the results. Hey, thanks for joining me for another episode of Trajectory Podcast. Look forward to next time. Uh, In the meantime, may God richly bless you.